Amen. God is good. Uh, today's message is called Mission Impossible. Thus, the theme music leading up. I want you guys to just turn to your neighbor and say, Mission Impossible. <laughs> now, I don't know about you guys, but when I go watch movies, I mean, God really speaks to me through movies. I'm serious. Um, and people who are trying to pursue film or acting and, um, you know, uh, entertainment, I mean, really, God is, God moves powerfully and can use something that seems so not church related at all to speak kingdom principles. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, my husband and I, we got a chance to go on a date. And uh, he took me to the theaters and we watched Mission Impossible 4. How many of you guys actually seen that movie? You guys enjoy it? Man, I loved it. And you know, I... I didn't think I was going to love it. I, I wasn't really going in all excited. It was kind of like the only thing that we, we could watch, um, the time and the seats and all that stuff. But when I sat down and I watched the film, I'm telling you the presence of God came. Like, no joke. Like, God just began to speak to me through the movie. And uh, it just began to just, just download more and more and more. And I was sitting at the New Year's Eve service at the KM um, about a couple of weeks ago in the uh, January 1st, well, January, said December 31st leading up to January 1st. And we're sitting there in the KM listening to Pastor Hong, the lead pastor, preach. And he was preaching a message about dreaming big. His whole message was about dreaming big. And I'm sitting there and all I could hear is dun, 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 dun. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, mm. And opening up my journal and, I mean, it was just download after download after download. And God was just speaking so clearly that the church were called to do the mission impossible. Amen. I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the film, but if you didn't too bad, I'm going to talk about it and, uh, it's going to be okay. Honestly, the story, the plot is like the same as every single mission impossible movie plot. You know, they need to save the world. Okay. That's basically it. And, uh, yeah. So, so here in Mission Impossible, there's a main character. His name is Ethan Hunt, played by Tom Cruise. Thank you, Jesus. Um, he needs Jesus, by the way. That's another, that's another message. Played by Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt. And, you know, there is a scene actually in the film where um, Tom Cruise does his own stunt um, in Abu Dhabi, the tallest building in the world. And he does some sort of like... <laughs> my attempt running on the side of the building um, sort of action. And I'm, I'm watching this and, you know, Christian was uh, telling me on the side, he goes, Oh babe, that, that stunt that you just saw Tom Cruise did it by himself. And I was like, no way, dude, that's so fake. And he goes, no, it was completely 100% done by him. And I was like, so impressed. So Tom Cruise crazy. But, um, the whole purpose of the film is to talk about a group, IMF. Y'all know about IMF? You know what IMF stands for? Impossible Missions Force. Come on, how prophetic is that? Impossible Missions Force. I'm telling you, you guys aren't excited now, but at the end, you will be excited. Impossible Missions Force. And their primary job is clearly to basically save the world, but by doing things that would be impossible for any other group. It's to do the impossible, impossible missions force. 
And here in this particular movie, they were trying to come against this terrorist. I forgot his name. And this terrorist is basically trying to, you know, destroy the world, or the threat of destroying the world with a nuclear bomb or whatever. And I was just sitting there, and I was thinking, man, God was just saying, this is what the church needs to be like. We need to be the impossible missions force. Where no matter what's going on in the world today, the world can call on the church and know that the church is going to solve some problems. Because when it comes down to it, you and I are the only ones that hold the answer. And the answer is simple. It's Jesus Christ. And while we can't look for just strategies or, you know, all these different things that the world looks to, it comes from the house of God because we have the answer inside of us. We have to be the impossible, impossible missions force. That's the calling. And you know what? There is a true terrorist that's out there. What's his name? The devil. Okay. Mm. And you know, can I, you know, what was so interesting was when I thought about terrorism, so much of terrorism is, is played out with two things, violence and intimidation. And when I look at just the fingerprints of that, I'm just like, man, that has Satan written all over it. It's violence, but more than violence, it's the threat. It's the threat. And the devil, if there's one card that he loves to play, it's the intimidation card. It's to get you to believe that he can do something to you that he actually can't until you believe it. And most terrorists, it's all about political gain, but the devil is not so different, you guys. He's out for political gain, but it's in the form of power. And he's out for our power. Do you guys know how powerful we are? Now, I don't think we understand how powerful we are in the spirit. And it's his number one priority to convince you and I that we're not powerful. In fact, the moment he does that, he gains power. I want you to just turn to your neighbor and say, you're powerful. Come on, you're powerful. All right, I'm going to stop talking about the movie. No, I'm not. I'm really not. But we're going to turn to the Bible. And we're going to open up to Matthew chapter uh, 17, verse 20. I'm going to be reading from the ESV version, but let's just all read it together. Um, Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Come on, say that one more time. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. Those are heavy words. Those are heavy words. And I question whether we really believe that. It says the faith, not the size of a mountain, but the size of a mustard seed, a grain of seed moves mountains. And nothing is impossible for you. The reason why we're called to be people of the mission of impossible, mission impossible, is because we're people of faith. 
You and I are people of faith. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I the only one that's a people of faith? You and I are the people of faith. And because we're the people of faith, what's impossible is not impossible for us. What's impossible for you and I is not impossible. What's impossible for the world is not impossible for you and I. Excuse me. And, you know, one thing that I, I think about when it comes to this generation is we're a lot of, we're a bunch of bored people. There's so many forms of entertainment and so many things we can do, but so many people are so ridiculously bored. Bored out of their minds. And I think maybe that's why when I watched the movie, I just got so excited because there was something that came alive inside of me that was just saying, man, I'm supposed to live a life like that. A life that's completely adventurous, unpredictable, filled with excitement, with power, and that saves lives. That's supposed to be my life. That's supposed to be your life. You know, the thing about Mission Impossible is that it's supposed to be a lifestyle. We're about to send two teams to the missions field, and this word is special shout-out to Team Thailand. Love you guys. And... um. Now, we're expecting for some signs and wonders. We really are. But that, that mission impossible sort of mentality can't just be when we're going to another country. It's got to be in our daily lives. It's like, Songul Park, where are you at? Thank you. Songul Park, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to release radical revival in your business and to other business leaders. Do you accept I promise he's a lot more excited than his, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Listen, our workplace, our area of influence is our mission impossible. What happens is we walk into it and all we conclude is it's impossible. But we don't move from the it's impossible to it's possible with God. And we need to transition. And that's my, my prayer for this message. I know it's simple, but it's to move from the impossible to the possible. Your workplace, your school, your family that we deemed as impossible so many times, because without God, it is. We need to start telling ourselves today, no, I am actually designed for this. I'm IMF. I'm created. I got the skills. I'm equipped. I'm trained. I have more than I need to go into this impossible place and release radical revival. Period. Amen? Amen. It's supposed to be a lifestyle, but I'm going to talk about one of the things that really prevents us besides just the mindset of, you know, the impossibility of it. But I think when we read the word, we know that what's impossible is supposed to be possible with God. We, we know that in the word. But one of the biggest things that stops us from really pursuing this lifestyle has got to be the fear of failure. It's probably the number one thing. You know, if I were to 
being Ethan Hunt in that film, I probably would have given up like numerous times uh, because the things that he had to do were so extreme, so crazy. I mean, running on the side of the building that's the tallest building in the world, you know, crazy. But there's something about it that just, that screams, man, I can totally fail. I can totally fail. You know, um, I'm a big, I'm a big dreamer. And, uh, I had a, a sequence of dreams of, of, it's like the same scenario. I don't know if this ever happens to you guys, but it's basically the same scenario, but just slightly different. And the scenario is I go to school and it's usually high school. I go to school and I realize that I cut the whole semester. Like, and I'm going in like the last day and it's final exam day. And I have to go and take the final. And I am completely unprepared because I didn't go to school the whole semester. And I have to sit down and take a final. And the whole time, my heart is like racing. And, and the one thing that's plaguing me is, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail. And I'm going to have to repeat this grade all over again. I've had that version of that dream. Maybe, no exaggeration, at least 30 different versions of that dream. I've dreamt it. And for the longest time, I mean, my accountability group knows I thought that it was like a prophetic dream. Like it was a dream indicating that I, I was missing something. I was unprepared for something that God was saying, you need to prepare for this thing and you're not ready yet. And you need to find out what it is. And so a lot of the dream process for me was trying to figure out, man, what is it that I lack until pastor Benjamin came into my life. And I remember one day I texted him and I was like, listen, I keep getting these dreams. And I explained the dream to him. And I, I asked him, what do you think it is that I'm missing? What do you think it is that I'm unprepared for? And he was like, um, that's not a prophetic dream. I was like, no, but it's vivid. It's clear. I've gotten it more than once. It's got to be prophetic. And he goes, that's not a prophetic dream. That's what we call a soulish dream. And I was like, well, what's a soulish? I don't understand. What's a soulish dream? See, a prophetic dream indicates what's truth. Okay. A soulless dream is indicate indication of what's true to you. So what this dream was showing me that I was dreaming over and over and over again was my belief. I believed that I was unprepared. I believe that I was not ready to pass the test. And the moment he said that, man, it, it really, it brought revelation because it was true. I thought to myself, man, I, I actually believe that. I actually believe that. That is what is considered to be true to me. I feel unprepared. I feel inadequate. I feel like I'm going to fail. You guys ever get that feeling before? And uh, he shared with me a series of dreams that he once had. There is a time where, um, is this mine? Oh, it was like open. Anyway, <laughs> there's a time where he shared a series of dreams uh, where he had a series of dreams where he moved out of his house and uh, he's the older, oldest brother of two brothers. 
And when he left his home, he had a reoccurring dream that both his brothers were getting viciously murdered. So they were either getting attacked or viciously murdered. And he would wake up and he would just start interceding and praying hardcore. And he thought it was a prophetic dream warning him that his brothers were in danger. And so he would pray and pray, God, I pray protection over my brothers. Like, you know, just on and on and on warfaring on, be- on behalf of his brothers. And finally, God spoke to him and said, you missed it. And he's like, what? And he goes, I didn't give you that dream. He's like, what? And he goes, that dream is what you actually believe. Because you believe that their protection relies on you. That because you're not physically around them, they are in danger. That's your truth, not mine. And God just, like, like hit him, you know, ah! Like, with that revelation, and, yeah, I don't know what, what noise I made, but hit him with that revelation. And Pastor Benjamin was like, oh, my gosh, that's true. I have been believing that my brothers are in danger because I'm not around. Because I've been believing I'm their protector, not you, God. And so I said, all right. Well, then how do I, what do I do now? And he goes, there's only one way to stop that kind of dream. I said, well, how do I stop it? Because he explained to me that they were actually a form of torment. And it's true because I would wake up so tired. I would wake up so frustrated and I would wake up not rested. If you guys have that kind of reoccurring dream all the time, trust me, you're not going to wake up feeling dandy. You're just like, (gasps) and initially it's, oh my gosh, thank God it's a dream. But the second thing is you just, you feel so tired. And he goes, there's only one way to get rid of it. You have to pray the exact opposite. And so I began to just pray in the spirit, God, I cannot fail. It is impossible for me to fail. My truth was I'm going to fail. And I had to pray it's impossible for me to fail. See, Pastor Benjamin began to pray, God, you are the protector of my brothers. They are completely safe. No matter where I am in the world, they are completely safe, completely covered. Nothing can harm them. Nothing can touch them. He began to pray that revelation, that truth, and those dreams stopped. Now, I began to pray, God, I cannot fail, but I'm going to be honest with you guys. I prayed it, but a part of me still didn't believe it. I, I couldn't help but believe that it's still possible for me to fail. Why? Because I've seen so many people fail. And I feel like I failed so many times myself. And man, I just, you know, there was one dream that I had where the fire of God came upon me in this dream. Literally, I felt the fire of God all over me in this dream. And revival was kind of like, it was like with church people and everybody was kind of feeling the fire of God. We were all manifesting, bugging out. And all of a sudden, someone hands me a piece of paper and says, take the test. And I look at it, and it's a math exam. And right away, I'm like, oh, okay. And I start taking this math exam. And the moment I start filling out the equations, the spirit begins to slowly but surely leave me. Weird dream, right? And and God just, I was like, what? What could that possibly mean? I don't understand background is I hate math. Sorry, Mijong. Um, I know that's like your thing, but it's not mine. And I've always hated math. Uh, it just never like made sense to me. 
Um, I think I liked math once, and that was in algebra, when I was learning algebra. And um, the thing with algebra is, is if you make one mistake in algebra, the answer is bound to be wrong. Do you guys remember? Some of you are like, you, you don't remember algebra at all. It's like x plus 10 equals 5. That was complicated, right? What is X would be your question. Anyway, you would solve algebra line by line. And if you made one mistake in the line, your answer was bound to be wrong. And it's funny because I've looked at my Christian life that same exact way. I looked at my Christian life like a math test. Like if one part of me made a single mistake, it was done. I failed. And something that God was showing me was when I think like that, I quench the spirit. Your Christian life mistakes does not equate to failure. That's something that we got to really hold on to because it's a problem in Christian mindsets. We think the moment you and I make a mistake, we failed and therefore are incapable of doing the impossible mission. But it doesn't work like that. And that's why I love the film, because if you watch any of the Mission Impossible films, there's always mistakes. There's always things that didn't go as planned. Something that completely busted. They were supposed to do this, and it completely fell through for some sort of reason. But at the end, they always save the world. Okay? They always save the world. Mistakes does not equate to failure. I want you to just tell your neighbor that. Do you understand what that means? That is good news. That is good news because so many of you and I do not step out into our true calling because we're afraid of making mistakes. We don't step out into our mission impossible because we're so afraid of making a mistake. Or we stepped out and we made a mistake. And after we made that mistake, we're like, this must not be for me. And we walk away. The truth is we can't afford to do that. Just like that movie, I'm telling you, lives are in the balance. When it comes to the people of God, we're called to save lives through the power of Jesus Christ. It's not a game we're playing. It's not a movie. This is kingdom work. And mistakes does not equate to failure. In fact, God can turn those very mistakes around And make it the very thing that we needed to succeed. You know, a lot of you guys don't know how I came to Korea. Um, When I graduated college, I had no idea what I was going to do. I studied education. And I was kind of freaked out about the whole situation. And when I was in college, I had a reoccurring dream. You guys know that I dream. And in my dream, I would check my um, the website where you check your grades. And I would get an F in a class. That was my dream, like that I failed a class. So you guys can see the theme of just failure in my life. And um, so I would have dreams where I would just get an F in the class and I'd wake up sweating and just like thanking the Lord that it wasn't true. But what happened was after I graduated college, um, I decided to go on missions to Africa. God was slowly but surely changing my life around. And two weeks before leaving for Africa, my uncle said, hey, I got you a job interview for teaching, in, teaching English in Korea. 
And initially, you guys, I wasn't really excited because Korea wasn't something that was on my radar at all. In fact, the times that I visited Korea prior, I couldn't stand it. Like, I really hated it. And so I was like, no way. No way am I going to go to Korea. But my, my dad begged me to just take their interview. And so I just, you know, was really praying to God about my future. And I said, God, you know, if this works out, then I'm going to take it as a sign that I should go. And so I get the phone interview. And the issue was two people that were hired already got dropped because their paperwork didn't work out. So the behind the scenes story was they were desperate, <laughs> desperate for a teacher. Like my interview was like 30 seconds. They're like, you're hired. And I'm like a fresh out of, you know, school sort of graduate. And, but they were desperate. And, um, but the issue was one thing I, their orientation conflicted with my mission state. And so I thought, oh, this is easy. God's not sending me because I know one thing for sure is I'm supposed to go to Africa. Uh, long story short, they moved the orientation on my behalf and said, you know what? Go to your trip and come to Korea. Two days after coming back, you have to go to Korea. So it was a hectic time, but I was going, I was, you know what? I'm going to do this, but I wasn't really sure. I really wasn't sure whether I should co come to Korea or not. And what happened was... I called my school because I hadn't gotten my diploma yet. And I was like, hey, my name is Erin Lee. I graduated from this department. Um, I need my diploma. And they were like, oh, that department sends diplomas really late. You'll get it soon. And I was like, it's quite urgent. Can you check when I'm going to get it? And so they're like, what was your name again? I said, Erin Suhyun Lee. It's like, oh, Erin. <laughs> oh. And I was like, oh. <laughs> She's like, Miss Lee? Like, yes. Um, it seems here that you haven't graduated. I was like, what? I was like, uh, my parents came, my brother came. I wore that cap and gown. Um, I walked. Actually, we didn't walk because we had so many people. I stood. And I'm pretty sure I graduated. And they're like, no, Miss Lee, according to your transcript, you're four credits shy of graduation. And I was like, what? How is that possible? I was like, can you double check? And she goes, hmm. And I'm just sitting here like, oh, my goodness. And the dream keeps coming back to me. And she goes, oh, it seems you got an F in this class. And I was like, what class? And she says the class name. It was when I was a sophomore. And I was like, I don't remember taking that class. Mind you, I was high most of my college. Yes, I don't remember many things, but God has restored me. Um, and she goes, oh, you actually got an incomplete first, and that incomplete turned into an F, and it clicked. I remembered. There was a class that I got an incomplete in. The grade was supposed to change, but the teacher left for another school abroad and never changed my grade, and that turned into an F. That very class was a class I needed to pass in order to graduate. Are you kidding me? And so I'm sitting there. I got a job offer to Korea. I'm set to go in two weeks. And I find out that I didn't graduate college. So I talked to my mom. Um, that went well. She was golfing. She was so happy. And, um, and I told her I didn't graduate. And she was like, what? How stupid do you have to be? It's like one thing to know you didn't graduate, but it's another to think you graduated and find out that you did it. Like I felt dumb. 
And I mean, she was like, went ballistic on me and I just felt so ridiculous. And here was Korea. I was unsure. And then Korea got taken away. And I concluded God must really not want me to go to Korea. Like it must be clear. Korea is not in the stars. It's not in his plan. But I emailed that professor just on a whim. I emailed the professor. Uh, do you remember me from like three years ago? Yada, yada, yada. I emailed her and I honestly didn't think anything of it. I was planning to go to summer school. I had to change gears. And so here, Korea became impossible. Literally impossible. It went from a possibility, I'm not sure, to just straight up, it's impossible. And I was just thinking to myself, man, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I went to Sebekido the next morning, morning prayer, and I called on the Lord, and he led me to Job. You know, he always does that when you go through something. And I'm like, I will praise you no matter what, God, even though I failed and I didn't graduate. And, you know, I, I had this time with the Lord, and I felt good. I felt okay. I went to the office. My mom was a secretary at, um, at the office. She was working administration. And I checked my email. I sent two emails the day before. I checked my email, and the first email is from my professor. And she said, Erin, I remember you. What? I remember you. In fact, I remember that you were supposed to get an A minus in your class, but you wanted to get an A. And, oh no, you were supposed to get a B, but you wanted to get an A minus. And so I left an, an incomplete pending a project you were supposed to do that you never did. She goes, however, I kept meticulous records of all my students, and I went into the office today, and I changed your grade from an F to a B minus. And then I got a second email from the school that was hiring me in Korea. Uh, I, he I heard about your situation Oh, I'm sorry. I emailed them and said, this is my situation. I won't be able to give my diploma to you until much later. And they emailed me back the next day saying, no problem. See you in Korea. <laughs> Desperate. It was God, though. What was a possibility became impossible and all of a sudden miraculously became possible. You got to understand, in my position, it was crystal clear I was supposed to go to Korea. I think now I know why, but at the time I had no idea. God makes the impossible possible. Amen? It's supposed to be a lifestyle. In fact, even though there are mistakes and bumps along the road, such as failing your class, it doesn't matter. God overcomes when you understand that you can. We're called to do impossible things for the Lord. Now, what do I mean by impossible things? And I'm going to end my message here. I'm talking about signs, wonders, miracles, healings, physical healing, salvations, deliverance, impossible things, going into your workplace and setting someone completely free from addiction to alcohol, impossible things, going into your workplace and leading someone to Christ and then laying hands and getting them filled with the Holy Spirit. 
We dream too small, you guys. So many of us, we look at our workplaces as a means of survival and getting a paycheck, but already we misunderstand what our assignment is. You are not getting provision from work. God always provides for you, but you have been set in your workplace to be a provision for your coworkers. You are supposed to be their provision coming in the form of signs, wonders, and miracles. And it's time that we start to dream big, like impossible big, like impossible missions force big, like Ethan Hunt, if you're willing to accept, accept this mission big, like changing lives big, changing nations big. Amen? Now, here's the thing that I want to just make it very clear. We say it's all about love, and it is true. It is all about love. But our misunderstanding of love is that love is sharing, love is hugging, and love is writing love letters. Okay? You know, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a passage all about love, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It does not easily anger. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love is powerful, right? But when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, get this. Verse 1 says, pursue love and earnestly desire the gifts. See, it's not about signs and wonders only. It's about love. But love is signs and wonders. Do you guys get that? Love is signs and wonders. Love is healing. Love is deliverance. Love is miracles. That is love. What kind of spiritual gifts are we talking about? If you read in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, it talks about the gift of healing. The gift of wisdom, utterances, knowledge, gift of faith. I'm talking about signs and wonders. That's the gifts that we're supposed to pursue. Why? Because that means pursuing love. We think it's either love or signs and wonders. So when signs and wonders don't show up, oh, but we loved. Eh. Listen, signs and wonders is love. And that's why we got to pursue it all that much more. You know, when someone gets healed from a disease that they've been suffering from for 15 years by the blood of Jesus Christ, do you know what they're feeling at that moment? the love of God. When someone gets prophesied over of the very issues of their heart, lies that they've been harboring, but finally getting set free through a prophetic word, you know what they're feeling at that moment? The love of God. You know, when the oceans, the sea parted for the Israelites, you know what they're feeling at that moment? The love of God. We have to fight to do signs and wonders. We got to pursue it and contend for it because that's pursuing love. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to do signs and wonders. Now, here's the important thing. We're called to pursue signs and wonders, not to satisfy us. That's what we got to remember because that's where we get twisted all the time. We're called to pursue signs and wonders, not to satisfy us, but we're called to pursue it to manifest that God wants to satisfy them. Do you see the difference? God wants to be the satisfaction of the people that are broken. 
He wants to be the satisfaction of the people that are sick, the people that are weary, the people that are burdened. And that's why we have to pursue signs and wonders. It's not about you. Don't you love that saying? Always makes you feel so warm and gooey inside, right? It's not about you. It's not about you. It's bigger than you. It's not about you. It is bigger than you. And you know, when we come back from Thailand, I'm confident that you are going to hear testimony after testimony after testimony of miracles, signs, wonders, impossible things, the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, people coming to know the Lord. I'm telling you, we are confident because we've been pursuing love throughout the whole training. That's what we've been after. So my question to you is, Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to bring signs and wonders to your family, to your workplace, to your spheres of influence, not in the church, but outside the church. I have a a specific word for all the killer sheep people. Can I see the killer sheep people? Killer Sheep is an SBS that is designed for our business mountain um, church members who are working furiously at their businesses, uh, sometimes long hours, but who have the perspective of advancing the kingdom of God at work. That's their mission. That's their understanding. That's what they're pursuing. And, you know, since Killer Sheep has started, I've been a, a bit of a stalker on their Facebook group chat. And uh, I kind of just read everything. (laughs) And uh, it's really exciting what's going on in the business mountain right now and what God is setting up. Um, And Killer Sheep, when I was thinking about this message in particular, I couldn't help but to think of you specifically. Because when it comes to work culture in Korea, it really is impossible. It really is impossible. The culture is so strongly oppressive and hard and difficult. It is tough, but I just couldn't help but thinking that each of you guys have been strategically placed in your workplace for such a time as this, but to release signs and wonders. I truly believe if you guys pursue it as you're doing it right now, we're going to hear testimonies from you. I was at work during lunch my coworker wasn't feeling well. I said, can I pray for you? I prayed for them. All the pain was gone immediately. I'm talking about like, I didn't have a limb. It grew out during lunchtime, you know? <laughs> you guys think I'm joking. <laughs> I mean, miraculous things. Killer sheep, you guys are going to do mighty things for the Lord. Amen? Church, do you guys believe that for our business mountain people? Man, there is an anointing upon our business folk, truly, truly, truly. Not just to be influential to coworkers, but to leaders in particular as well. Bosses, favor with bosses. Sonny, where are you at? Favor with bosses. 
okay, I'm going to cry if I continue. I know, I'm so, I'm so bizarre sometimes. All right. <laughs> anyway, the point is, <clears throat> we got to think mission impossible. And we got to begin to see ourselves as people who have been created to do the impossible things. I want you guys to just close your eyes for a moment. You guys need to understand that the threat is real. Whenever I watched the movie, there was always a serious threat. The threat on the world, nuclear weapons, whatever it is, there's always a major threat. And the threat against the people of God is true as well. But it's impossible for us to fail. Impossible. It's possible for us to make mistakes. Get that in your head and be okay with it. But it is impossible for you to fail. It's impossible for you to fail. Love never fails, it says in 1 Corinthians 13. When you pursue love, and that is including signs and wonders, that's including prophecy, healing, miracles. When you pursue love, it's impossible for you to fail your mission. I want to just give an opportunity for some of you who know that you are facing one of those mission impossible situations in your life. And who know that Pursuing and overcoming this is actually not just about you, but it has very much to do with the people around you. In fact, the premise of what Jesus said, nothing will be impossible for you, was when he was casting out a demon spirit from a boy who was tormented his whole life. That was the surrounding portion of that text. And I feel like today, in the year of increase, God wants to make it crystal clear that you cannot fail. And so if that's you, you are fate, whether it's your workplace, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends or missions field, I want you to just stand to your feet in faith right now.